ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I've had my share of relationships that have gone south. Uh, You can take it from me. That's Michael Bungay-Stenia. Sometimes called MBS, but not the MBS who's running Saudi Arabia. He's the author of the popular book, The Coaching Habit, and his latest book is all about relationships at work. Called How to Work with Almost Anyone. Certainly part of what I'm drawing on in this book is 25 years or 30 years now of working relationships that have worked and also working relationships that have sucked (laughs) and sucked me dry. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and in this episode of This Working Life, Michael and I are going to deep dive on how to protect and repair our relationships at work. So the heart of the book is that work actually involves people, who would have thought, (laughs) and so we shouldn't just focus on ourselves, though. We should focus on those relationships, the people we work with, but also people like our customers and clients. Why do you think it was so important to focus on relationships at work? We've always got work done through our relationships. And when you think about it, our happiness and our success is so dependent on the people that we work with. When we're with a good team, with a good boss, we feel elevated. When we're struggling, we've got a bad boss maybe or a bad team or something's gone off the rails, we feel diminished. And most of us are crossing our fingers and hoping that that good luck happens. But for me, I'm like, what if we more actively try to figure out how to manage our relationships so they were as good as they could be, that they could be the best possible relationship? Usually, when we set about working with someone, we focus on the work that needs to be done. But if we jump straight into the work at hand, we could be missing an important step. This idea of pulling back and going, hey, before we get in talking about the work, Lisa, what if you and I talked about how you and I work together so that when we tackle the work, we've got the best chance of working well together? It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. And in fact, you say there's a great line in the book, people join an organisation but they leave a manager. I can't take credit for that, but that kind of makes the point, doesn't it? We've all had that. I'm like so excited to join Company X, so delighted to be leaving this person who's making my life a nightmare. Let's start with this idea of the keystone conversation. Let's look at the term. Where did you get the term keystone from? I wanted to identify an essential conversation and the key lesson, the key point of the book and our conversation here is have a conversation first about how you work together rather than jumping into the what are you working on. So that's a keystone conversation. We're going to talk about how you and I work together. And, you know, I I like a good metaphor. So when I was trying to casting around, trying to find a name for this, I thought to myself, well, keystone. And everybody knows what a keystone is. It's that big lump of rock in the middle of an arch. So it brings two sides of an arch together. It joins it. It makes it stable. It makes it strong. It makes it firm. It makes it long lasting. And I'm like, well, that's a good metaphor. That immediately works. But then something cool happened, Lisa. I was doing more research and I found that the term keystone had been taken into the world of biology and ecology. And there's this this, um, concept of a keystone species. And the best story about this is when they reintroduced wolves into Yellowstone National Park in the US. So the park had been kind of denuded by elk. Elk were running wild. They were eating everything. Everything was pretty worn down. Wolves came back in, started eating the elk. Elk meant they ate less trees, more trees, more birds, better river, beavers, fish. The whole ecosystem came back to life when they reintroduced wolves to Yellowstone. 
So whether you like the metaphor because of the architecture or because of the ecology, there's I sense that a keystone has this ability to make things stronger, bear more stress, and flourish. And that's what you want in your most important relationships as well. And what relationships might I apply this to? Because I don't think it's just the ones that have gone sour or the difficult ones. Yeah, you know, I think you can apply this to any working relationship that has an influence on your success and your happiness. Now, there's a bunch of the people we work with where, truthfully, it's a bit transactional. You know, it's about, you know, we we get stuff done, you do this, I do that, things get figured out. But if you look around, you'll see some of those key relationships that you went, if they could be better, that would make my life better. So for sure, if you're a team leader or a boss or whatever you want to call it, that team is essential. You want to build strong working relationships, the best possible relationship with each people on your team. If you have a boss, you probably want to build a best possible relationship with your boss, maybe some key people on the team with you. If you need to collaborate with other people in your organization, all of those are potentials for building this idea of a best possible relationship. MBS, can I ask a favor of you? You can. I would love to hold a Keystone conversation with my producer, Zoe Ferguson, and I'd love your help in order to prepare for that. (laughs) Look, I'm good, but I'm not that good. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Because Zoe and I have actually only started properly working together permanently this year, and she's incredibly talented. But we, I don't think we've That's taken okay. the time yet to have a Keystone conversation. So I'd be really excited to hold one with her and I'd love you to help Brilliant. me prepare for that. If you could take me through some of those key oh, questions. I love the idea of this. And, and what I love that you're talking about, Lisa, is your experience with Zoe is really typical for most of us, which is we start off and we're like, Zoe's great, Lisa's great, Let's, we've, got, we've got a ton of stuff to do. <laughs> we've got this working life to yep. organize, we've got other stuff that's planning on. <laughs> we're like, we are, we're, we're into the work right away. And you're like, this is fine, yeah. and you're both good people, so it's mostly working. But just taking a beat at the start of the working relationship, or just as you're doing now, Lisa, and going, now is as good a time as any to sit down and have this conversation. Perfect. So I think there are five good questions for a Keystone conversation. And just as you said, um, spending a bit of time thinking about it and preparing for it is a really good idea. And the goal is to build a relationship that is safe and vital and repairable. So safe meaning that you can be who you are, vital meaning that you can have psychological bravery. You can test the edges, you can try things out, you can push and provoke each other a little. And repairable, meaning that when it does go off the rails, because every working relationship does, you know how to come back together and fix it and make it stronger. So that's our goal. Okay, MBS. So how do I prepare for this? So I'll give you the, the five questions and then we'll pick one of them to prepare. So the first question is the amplify question. And you're there, you're asking, well, what's your best? When do you shine? When do you flow? Because you want to tell that other person, it's like, this is what lights me up. This is what gets me going. That's the first question. The second question is the the steady question, which is what are the processes and patterns and habits you've got that I should know about? So we understand the logistics of working together. Like Zoe might be a morning person, you might be an evening person, and all of these things play into it. So that's the steady question. The third and the fourth question are like sister questions. It's the good date and the bad date question. And it's this, what can we learn from successful past relationships? 
And what can we learn from frustrating past relationships? Because your past patterns will repeat again in the future. And then the fifth and final question is, how will we fix it when things go wrong? It's the repair question. Things always go wrong. So how will we actually say that that's true? And then when we recognize it, how will we repair it together? So those are the five questions. Which of those five feels most interesting for you to kind of dig into? Well, I'm actually interested in the amplify question. It's a good place to start. So the question is, what's your best? And I ask it in that slightly awkward way because I didn't want to say, what are you good at? Mm. Because that has its limitations. And I didn't want to say, what are your strengths? Because that gives you kind of often a bit of a kind of high level answer that isn't that useful. I'm like, what's your best? Meaning, when do you shine and when do you flow? Mm. And I think there are three potential doorways you could kind of talk about as you kind of sit with this, uh, Lisa, and figure it out. One is, what's the work that really lights you up? You know, where's the, what's the work that you really shine in when you feel in that flow state? So that's a great place to start, and that's where most people start. The second thing might be around the people, which is like, what are the relationships or the ways of working and, kind of, and what you bring to that, which is where you shine and where you flow? When do you really flourish in that? What's your best in the relationship side of the work? And then the third doorway is kind of what I think of as patterns, which is who are you at your best? What are your values? What do you stand for? What's essential about who you are when you're at your best? But if you started coming up with some words, and if I said five or six or seven, what what would you say? Um, So I'm definitely a creative collaborator. So I, I like to have other people around me being curious with me and I do my best work kind of thinking with and through others. Perfect. Is the way I would put the first block. Yeah. Um, some people describe me as a like an energetic puppy, so I do <laughs> need to be positively occupied. Right. I'm always bouncing around, and if I'm not positively occupied, then I might wee on your carpet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Metaphorically, that's, of course. I get that MBS. metaphorically. All right, good. <laughs> I love that. So this is extremely helpful. So you've given me a ton of stuff here, which is like, okay, this is going to help refine how I work with Lisa. Now, you you said one thing there, which was really helpful for the audience to hear, which is people sometimes describe me as. Mm. And that's a really useful tactic for those people who find this stuff a bit awkward or a bit (laughs) weird, or they don't know how to start. And... It doesn't feel like you have a problem with that, Lisa, and I don't have a problem with that either. I'm like, I've been practicing now for 40 years telling people what I'm best at, so I've got the hang of it. But some people, like when I'm in England, a whole bunch of people in England are like, this couldn't be more awkward trying to explain what I'm yeah. good at. So one of the exercises that I sometimes suggest is I'm like, imagine it, I'm talking to your best friend. What would they be saying about you? Mm. And you can see that kind of getting out of your own head into somebody else's perspective just makes it a little less personal and a little less awkward and you can kind of talk about yourself a little bit more dispassionately. So let's go to those dating questions because this, it was difficult. So it was the good and bad dating. Do you want to um, go through this with me? Yeah. So um, the good date question is what can we learn from successful past relationships? And if the amplify question is about, well, who are you at your best? The good date is who are you with other people? at your best? And what can we learn from the past? So, you know, if I was in conversation with you around this, Lisa, I'd be going, Lisa, 
Think back to a really great working relationship you had, one where you just felt seen, where you thrived, where you, you navigated the difficulties with grace, where you just felt like you both were more than the sum of your parts. You brought out the best in each other. And then what I'm interested in asking is, so what did that other person do and say? And also, what didn't they do and didn't say that made that so good? The relationship I'm thinking about is my co-author for a book that I wrote called This Working Life, and her name is Monique Ross. Yeah, perfect. So writing a book together, tricky, and writing a book at the best of times, miserable. So there's kind of various stresses that could have been there, but there weren't in this relationship. No. What did, what did Monique do and say that really helped you flourish and helped that relationship flourish? I think we were really explicit about what we were both bringing to the project and that really nice. helped. So yeah. I was bringing the crazy ideas and the frameworks and that spontaneous connection of random things and Monique was bringing an organisational prowess. Um, she's also a beautiful writer yeah. and she's very grounded, whereas you know how I'm quite airy and flighty. <laughs> So because we were so different, I think that helped. Got it. What didn't she do that was helpful in terms of the strength and the, the beauty of this relationship? What didn't she say? She always said yes and. So if I brought a crazy idea, she would build on it rather than diminish my craziness. Nice. And she would sort of go with it and we could explore whether or not it worked because... 50% of the time it didn't, but at least we gave it a go. Mm. And she was happy to fill that gap, which I didn't have. So she created this Gantt chart <laughs> of, you know, because there's so much, as you know, every chapter has to be delivered at a certain time. And if I'm off sort of doing this craziness, then when are we going to deliver? So she would just be really explicit. Hey, Lisa, you know, if you could write this chapter by, you know, eight o'clock, I'll pick it up and I'll do this bit. And this is when we're delivering. And that actually helped me feel more free rather than the opposite. Right. So just imagine, Lisa, you and I were sitting down to try and co-write a book together and we were having this conversation. Can you see just how vital all this information is for me? Because I'm getting so many clues as to how to how to amplify the best of us and how not to screw it up. <laughs> and maybe going, oh, okay, so Monique is great at Gantt charts. Lisa's not good at Gantt charts. Michael is also not good at Gantt charts. So I'm like, okay, so one of the things, Lisa, if we were co-writing a book together, we're like, we probably need somebody who's good at Gantt charts somewhere in the mix here because you and I are chaos together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's really helpful. Two ideas, people. Exactly. Um, MBS, there is a natural um, feeling though, just like if you were describing um, a great date or a partner that you had before me, right? Yeah. I would start to feel like, oh, well, I'm not them, am I? Like just naturally hearing somebody talk lovingly about yeah. another person. It's interesting. How do you hold that? You know, that is an interesting question. I haven't thought about that before. I f suspect how you frame this initial conversation could be helpful, which is I want this working relationship to be as good as it can be. So there's a sense of intention, which is I'm not – saying this to kind of put you down. I'm saying this because I want to give you as many clues as possible. And also I want to hear your story that's like this. 
So there's this exchange of value together. So you're like, I'm not just boasting on how good this per- last person was. I'm like, you and I are going, let me tell you, let me tell you what, what I'm best at. And you know, when we talk about best possible relationships, Lisa, it's easy to assume that we're talking about the best relationship. So we're trying to make everything amazing. Yeah. yeah. But the truth is, you know, our working relationships are a bit of a bell curve. Mm. You've got some maybe like Monique at one end where you're like, that's fantastic. I really loved working with her. You've probably got, and we would hear this if we got into the bad day question, you've got some down the other end where you're like, that was, they weren't even a terrible person. It was just like sand in the gears. It was just hard work. We couldn't figure out how to make it click. And then you've got all the ones in the middle, which are mostly perfectly fine and they have their ups and they have their downs. And the goal of this is to make the bad ones bearable, make them good enough. It's to make the ones in the middle, give them a bit of sparkle, give them a bit of magic. And it's to keep the ones that are mm. already magical, magical for longer and make sure that you don't accidentally let something slip away. So I just want people to, to hear that this isn't just about trying to create perfection. Every working relationship you have, every key working relationship has some degree of potential. You're just trying to fulfill as much potential as possible in that particular relationship. And maybe MBS, it is about that beautiful conversation that you can have and it's not really about the thing in a way because for me having that conversation about um, when I partnered well with um, someone in a work context is really just the springboard for what might our relationship our beautiful working relationship where we're both flourishing uh, look like and feel like because it actually isn't about the Gantt chart even for me and it's not like um, I would be saying hey are you creating the Gantt chart? (laughs) (laughs) Here's part of the magic Lisa is I'm seeing you as a human being I'm connecting at a very human level and there's just something already important that's happening, which is like, I'm showing you some part of me. And it kind of connects to this work around vulnerability and how vulnerability is such an act of leadership because it is a showing of a more human side. And particularly if you're the more senior person in the role, if you role model vulnerability, you show how what is safe for the other person to be in terms of vulnerability. And when we come back to the purpose of a best possible relationship, which is a relationship that is safe and vital and repairable, what I'm getting in just that conversation about Monique was both safety and vitality. I get the vulnerability that makes me feel safety. I see the potential that makes it feel more vital. Well, if I asked you the if I asked you the bad the bad date question, which is like if you think of a frustrating yeah. past working relationship, and you probably don't want to name that person, but you could if you're feeling particularly bold and want to get sued, <laughs> but that's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and you think about that working relationship. Now, you're drawn immediately to t- to tell me what that person did and said and all that, and there's interesting data there. But I'm most interested in starting with you. What was your behavior in that working relationship? What was your contribution to that dysfunction? I love this question. And it was something that I didn't do, even though I would say that I usually do it. And it was to show empathy. So there was a moment in a past collaboration where, uh, for some reason, I ended up carrying a lot of the work for a certain time. And I started getting very resentful. And so when it all came out, there was a reason, a very vulnerable moment when the person shared why they couldn't be there. 
and I should have showed empathy, but I just went into, ha-ha, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, ha-ha. You know, and I judged, I yeah. judged. Yeah. And it didn't go very well. Yeah. And I feel ashamed. I, I hear that. Let me ask you, Lisa, what do you think you would get from sharing that with somebody you are starting a new working relationship with? How would that be helpful, if, if at all? I think that would be powerful, and I wouldn't have thought of sharing it. Mm. Yeah. It is um, such an act of generosity to say, let me tell you how I screw up relationships. <laughs> it, is so, it, is, it, is, it is so helpful. Um, you know, uh, when I'm working with people in the teams that I lead and, and vendors as well, I'll be really explicit. I go, this is me at my worst It's because my, my strengths are also my weaknesses. This is yeah. true for most of us. No, I love that. And, and, and I think that orientation of how might you have contributed to the problem yeah. um, is a really good one. So it doesn't end up being talking about a worse date and it's all the other person's problem and weren't they terrible. Right. Because where's the learning in that? <laughs> yeah, it's like who cares? <laughs> it's kind of who cares what they did. Yeah. All that is interesting now is you and that other person. So it's like what can I learn from that? How did I contribute to that? Because it may not have been 50-50, but it certainly wasn't 100 to them and zero to you in terms of where the responsibility lay. So learn for not just for the other person's sake, but for your sake because if you – are better in those tougher relationships, you're going to be happier and you're going to be more successful. What's the timing of a keystone conversation? When is it best to have them? You know that saying, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago, but the <laughs> yeah. second best time to plant a, a tree is today and I'd plant an acorn. So I kind of feel like that. It's like if you have the luxury of doing this at the start of a working relationship, then take it. You know, when you're onboarding somebody and they're coming in, they're starting to work with you, make this part of that onboarding conversation. When I start working with like vendors, when I hire somebody to film a course or fix a website, I'll say, tell me about the best clients you've had. Tell me about the worst clients you've had. Now let me tell you about the best and the worst website makers or vendors or people I've had. Let me tell you what drives me nuts when I'm working with a vendor. Because I, I don't want you to drive me nuts. <laughs> and I don't want you to feel <laughs> unwarned. Then you're like, you're doing something you think Love is perfectly it. innocent and I'm kind of twitching. And, I'm like, ah. and do you ring fence it, keep it separate from the work so you don't just tack it on the end of something or before we're about to do something work-wise? The first time you do this, it's probably best to try and ring fence it a bit. Kind of go, let's just pull this out and have a separate conversation. But, you know, when I'm working with my team... Um, probably once every once every month, maybe once every two months, I'll just stop and I'll go, hey, before you jump into this, how are we doing? <laughs> how are you doing? How am I doing? And we'll just make it part of um, a casual check-in. I, I strive, and maybe this is good for other people, which is like you, make reg you do regular maintenance. You do regular checking in. You're like, how are we doing? What do we need to adjust? I'm giving permission and space for that to come to the fore. And that's one of the ways that, we make our working relationships repairable is by trying to actively surface stuff before it becomes a big thing. Oh, I love that. In case you missed them, here are the five key questions again. Get your pens ready. 
Or maybe it should be your thumbs because you might put it in your phone. The Amplify question. What's your best? When do you shine and when do you flow? The Steady question. What are your practices and preferences? The Good Date question. What can you learn from successful past relationships? The Bad Date question. What can you learn from frustrating past relationships? And finally, the Repair question. How will you fix it when things go wrong? And don't worry if you didn't write them down. We'll put them in the show notes for you. Thanks to my guest, Michael Bungay-Stania, or MBS as we like to call him, and to sound engineer Angie Grant. And thanks to producer Zoe Ferguson, who's warming up her Gantt charts as we speak. No weeing on the carpet for me. I'm Lisa Leong. Thanks for listening to This Working Life. This episode was produced on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Until next time, work it, baby. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.